Welcome everyone to What the Force and welcome to a discussion on what is now called Legends. And with me today is my friend, Jedi Geek Girl, to join me as she has uh, just started a wonderful, I don't know, deep dive into the world of what was called the Expanded Universe at one time. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be back on. Yay. I'm happy to have you back. And when you approached me with this topic, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's have this discussion. Um, like just briefly, you know, why did you decide to kind of start to dig into Legends? Honestly, it all started with canon. It all started with The Force Awakens. I got back into Star Wars with The Force Awakens, and I wanted to dive into the more. I wanted to consume more content, and I dived first into the canon comics and books, and I just became obsessed about it. And I knew that there was only so much in canon and that it was only a matter of time that I was going to dive into Legends. And I wanted to dive into it because I have a obsessive type personality. So even though at the time when I was reading canon, it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to read Legends. It was only a matter of time because what, what can I say? I'm, I'm addicted and I love Star Wars. So That's awesome. And I think that what really interests me about this topic is something that Jason Fry said when I spoke with him, which was that in some ways, the EU and, and Legends is where a lot of the ideas of what now Star Wars is came from, right? And how these were almost worked on over time, because really, there was nothing else to fill it. So a lot of the ideas and the words we use and how we think about things came out of legends as it was back then. And then also many of the writers cut their teeth on Star Wars within that world. And and actually this is a good tie-in to the history and how it all started. And um, there's a great article on StarWars.com. It is called Legendary Star Wars Expanded Universe Turns a New Page. And it's talking about, you know, that it's been 35 years, um, that it Legends has been around. And, and it, it was also multimedia. There was comics. There was um, books. There was video games, you know, like, and it, it really went really in depth, much like the now multimedia world that we live in in the post-Disney era. Um, but where it started, do you, do you know what, what book started the expanded universe in most people's minds, Amanda? It all depends on perspective. I know a lot of people would consider Splinters of the Mind's Eye where the EU began, yeah. but that was a alternative story to a sequel of A New Hope than Star Wars. So I wouldn't really consider those early books the beginning of what would become the EU because when I think Legends, when I think EU, I think of a universe that builds upon itself that is takes mm -hmm. the film and expands upon it. So obviously in my mind, and I think the majority of people's mind, it all began with Hair to the Empire. Yeah, but that was that was quite a bit of time after um the world and i would say that um much of 
the EU actually kept its place in the Marvel comics for a very long period of time, especially during the late 70s, early 80s. That's where it was kept alive in some ways. Um, so Alan Dean Foster, who wrote Splinters of the Mind, uh, Mind's Eye, Splinters of the Mind's Eye is what it's called, is actually the same author who wrote the Force Awakens novelization. So we can kind of think about those two things. And yes, it was a continuation and it kind of ended up getting rewritten. Um, but I would say that there's kind of a few phases. There was kind of early EU, which involved Marvel Comics and a few novels and kind of um, didn't really expand very much, but kind of told things from a different perspective. Um, in the late 80s, we got the West End Games RPG, which um, kind of started people being able to tell their own stories from a Star Wars perspective. Because then you were the hero of your own Star Wars story. And just after that, um, in 91, was Heir to the Empire. And I would say, and I agree with you, that started the true kind of expanded universe universe from that point on. Because that's when, I mean, Heir to the Empire was a New York Times bestseller. It kind of became its foothold. When I look at the EU and the timeline that you're talking about, like the different is, I can't help but think about like the comics. And I think about like the pre-91 EU, like the golden age and the hair to the empire forward is more like the silver age where yeah. the golden age of comics introduced a lot of things that are the cornerstone of the future of comics that was really in the silver age where a lot of things got refined and a lot of people are familiar with it. So maybe that can help people understand the difference between the, the two eras. I Exactly. And they all intended to have it be in continuity, that things would work together. But in some ways, George kind of just said yes to everything with regards to the EU. So there was a lot of, um, I don't know, overlapping storytelling in the end. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about kind of the EU from your perspective? Yeah, sure. I um, I don't have a lot of knowledge with it because I've just recently started in this past year. But I think it is really fascinating because you were talking earlier about how you had your guest on and he was talking about how if you look at the legends, you can see like the things that we now see so commonplace in Star Wars where they came from. But I also would add to that that you also get a snapshot into Star Wars and where it came from in a way that I don't think you really get with other franchises or other things because it is respective of its time and it is very respective of the created minds of it. So as I'm reading through it, I am seeing not only a glimpse of where some things in Star Wars came from, but how we got to where we are, where we came from. So it's really fascinating, very interesting, because regardless of if somebody likes Legends or not, I think there's a lot to learn, not even not only from a franchise standpoint, but from a cultural and a historic point of view as well. And we know that the creators think about these things. Like Pablo has like, I feel like an encyclopedia brain. Um, I know that they do track these things like in the holocron. They do know all of this information and they've relied on people who are very passionate about the EU and, and legends to, um, you know, keep 
keep all that information up to date. Um, Steve Sansweet's Encyclopedia of Star Wars um, was one of the things that has been used to start the holocron. You know, Wikipedia itself, its very existence means that people are paying attention to all of these different facets and all of these different legends. And I think that um, when Dave Filoni put that line into, and the writing room put that line into uh, Rebels from Ahsoka saying, there's always a little bit of truth in legends, it was a nod to say, Look, some of this storytelling may not work with what we're currently doing, but some of it still might. And we're going to look at it and consider it kind of on a case by case basis on, you know, maybe there was a theme that was worked out previously. Maybe there's a cool character like Thrawn, you know, maybe Dash Rendar is now, uh, I mean, kind of recanonized because of a uh, an unreliable narrator story uh, for the tales of Vandor. We're going to be getting some of this stuff back, I think. So why is that important? Why, why, hmm, why, why should we care about legends? As I mentioned before, I think it, we should care because this is the heritage of Star Wars. Like I said, a lot of where Star Wars is right now came from where the EU was. A lot of people cut, it's their teeth in Star Wars, mm-hmm. as, and that is true of the universe too. If you go back and you read Legends, you can see the evolution of the storytelling that they are now ultra that they are now using in canon. If you look at like the early Legends universe, they are a little bit more disconnected, and as they created more and more materials, it got more connected. It got more united. It became a universe in of itself. And I think that is something that gave Lucasfilm experience with it that they could use in canon that they probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and I and I pulled uh, these two quotes from Wikipedia, and I think it's a it's a good um, transition kind of into your personal experience going through Legends. Um, and I'm I'm gonna just t- kind of take this one um, quote from Alan. Crouch, which I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he was speaking about about legends, about the EU, and he used to be the continuity editor. And he said, um, it wasn't until 1991 when Timothy Zahn wrote Heir to the Empire, the first best-selling Star Wars novel, which began what we call the Star Wars Renaissance, that continuity became an issue. Before that, it was all very free form. It was just kind of creating for the for the love of creating story and, you know, new journeys and new adventures and things like that. When Heir to the Empire came around, it, it became very serious that things actually start to make a little bit of sense. And I think that until like the Disney era, well, actually until the prequels, um, they they struggled with that, I think, or through the through the nineties, um, and how to do it. And it wasn't until they actually started just tracking canon with uh, you know, the Holocron with the database that tracks canon that they were actually able to track it. And even then sometimes they make mistakes and things overlap and that's a struggle not uh unique to um Star Wars, but at the time it was invented because People needed. People cared a lot about what was happening to their characters because of *Heir to the Empire*. 
I think the greatest thing about A Hair to the Empire is Star Wars was so powerful when it came out in the 70s and the early 80s. You had a generation of people who loved this franchise that it defined and continues to find mm-hmm. a generation. And you had people that had this passion. They had this attachment to this universe and this characters. And yeah, later they were able to like take that passion and put it into the RPG by um, reenacting and creating in the universe. But it wasn't until Hair to the Empire that that was an outlet. And I think that is why it is so resident to uh, a generation and people who have read it because you had all this passion. You had this love for this universe, but you didn't have an outlet. And then suddenly Hair to the Empire came along and boom, it exploded. And then you had that renaissance. So I don't think if you didn't have the passion in the fandom that that would have happened. And and I would say that Heir to the Empire and the Zon trilogy um, are some people's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was like much like you, you you got into the into Star Wars with the prequels. I got into Star Wars with the original trilogy. Some people get into Star Wars with Rebels or with Clone Wars or with, you know, the, it was such a large phenomenon at the time. Jade Max, who was one of the fan fiction writers that I had on the show uh, last year, she actually said that, she, like, she told me a long time ago that her username, Jade Max, is based on Mara Jade because she was so affected by that character. Like, it, these, and, you know, people are still fans of Thrawn to this day, and we're very happy to have him recanonized. You know, I I think that there is a lot of lessons to learn, like you said. And yes, it is it is an interesting window into almost the, uh, I don't know, teenage years of Star Wars in some ways. Where did it all come from? I'm going to just say this other quote and then we'll dig into kind of what you're doing and all what it, what it's all about. So this one's actually from from George Lucas and I and I stole this one from Wikipedia too. So thank you guys. It, and it, it was in the foreword to Monsters and Aliens which was a book that he wrote uh, about the monsters and aliens of Star Wars. And he said, over the years, many artists and designers have contributed to the articulation of various universes for of Lucasfilm, taking their cues from the minimal words of descriptions on a script page. These talented men and women have sketched, drawn, or modeled creatures of magnificent breath, unimaginable terror, and mind-boggling eccentricities. Some of these creatures have made it to film, while others, because of the way stories unraveled, have not so far. But this does not mean that they do not exist. For once something is created, no matter the what co- context, it takes on a life of its own. And that's very much how we need to view the lens of le- legends, is that these things exist. These things exist. These stories, these creatures, these characters they exist they just haven't found their way to the consciousness yet in some ways that is definitely a important quote about when it comes to what legends is it's important to realize that these stories they do have residents they do have experiences and rewards for consuming them that isn't based on their canon status and that is what i'm really enjoying about it is it doesn't matter because they are still important stories. They're still characters to get attached. They are still 
ideas that were created that weren't brought to film or in Solid's case to canon that are still important to enhancing your fandom and your experience. Exactly. We talked a little bit about how you kind of came to this idea to to read all these books. How many have you read so far? Oh my goodness. I think I'm up to uh, 20, but that that is counting the Young Jedi Knights books, which are like kind of like half the size of an adult book. So that's kind of cheating a little bit, but I think I'm about 20. Awesome. You're, you're definitely uh, diving straight in. I know that some of the books can be harder to come across. I know that some are in like reprint under the Legends title, but how have you kind of come across them? How how are you hunting these books down? eBay. Uh, definitely eBay and uh, my secondhand bookstore, Half Price Books here up in the, the Twin City area is how I've been hunting down the books. So. Yeah. How many books have you found so far? I know that you've read 20, but how many are you at to collecting? So I am trying not to collect because like I said before, I am very obsessive. If I dive into something, I'm going to like buy all of them. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to buy any books that I am not going to read. I have some books on a shelf that I haven't read yet because A, I got them in a lot or B, I got them before I decided to dive into back into Legend. So I think I'm about, so I've read about 20. I think I have another 25-ish on the mm-hmm. shelf. So, And then are you donating them back once you read them? Or are you just kind of keeping your favorites? Oh, no. I, I'm a, like I said, I'm an obsessive collector. So I'm putting <laughs> them in timeline order. And as I read them, I'm putting them, like I said, in timeline order. And uh, the displayed nicely on my wall. <laughs> what has been your favorite storyline that you've read so far? Well, I, I obviously, I talk about not reading Legends back in the day, but there is a story that I have that attachment to and nostalgia to, and that, of course, would be Shadows of the Empire, which I'm currently rereading right now, and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. And so that would have to be my favorite just because I'm attached to that. I used to play the video game a lot. But outside of that, the first time that I read a book that I never read before, I think it would have to be Dark Saber. That was the moment where I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so what happens in Shadows of the Empire, just so people are kind of aware of like your your favorite, what what happens in it? Shadows of the Empire was a multimedia project by Lucasfilm that was basically a film without the film that takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It colors in a lot of the empty spaces between Empire and Return of the Jedi, like how did Leia get the Bush costume? How did Luke create his lightsaber? And you see these characters evolve, and it also introduced a criminal mastermind that is called uh, Zizor. I can't pronounce it. He leads Black Sun. And it's about him trying to undermine Darth Vader because he's also contending for the Emperor's, he wants to take Vader's place. So he's like Vader's rival. So it's about him trying to hunt down Luke Skywalker and Vader trying to nail him down because he, he's a slippery criminal, if you will. That's awesome. I'm personally very attached to like Knights of the Old Republic of from an EU perspective, just the video game and kind of the the book series afterwards. 
um, like that was kind of a it hit me at the right period of time during the kind of prequels era uh, to to be to to sit with my unconscious. And I think I've played uh, both one and two a couple of times through. So I think that's kind I, of my life. <laughs> I played the first game, but I never really gotten around to play the second game. But that was like 15 years ago. But I'm looking forward to re-experiencing it because that was one of those moments. I think that was the first time in Legends where Star Wars really expanded to a place where it was like, this was all new. This was never all seen new. before. And I remember beating the video game and being like, wow, that story is right up there with the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I would say that um, like parts of the Knights of the Old Republic, especially with the layer added in the second game with Kreia, um, that character, for those that know what she's all about, and Darth Nihilus, like, there's just some layers of dark user storytelling that... Um, that are <laughs> are just so fun, and like whenever I see um see those cosplays out there, I just get really excited because not only was the visuals very interesting and and designed very well, but um but also we got to see um you know a lot of the the stylistic uh you know or the 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 themes of Star Wars kept alive like you know at its base knights of the old republic is a redemption story which is fascinating <laughs> you know uh, mid mid prequels era we got we got a redemption story in a video game and then follow-up books that were set thousands of years before the prequels it's almost like that's what star wars is about in, what? in episode nine <laughs> what what lies the devil you say lies deception <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, so I did want to talk uh, briefly about uh, some other resources that people can, you know, track down to to find these books and maybe where they should start. In your opinion, Amanda, where should people start uh, with the EU? With Are you talking about like hunting down books or um just if they're able to like choose one book to kind of pick it up and and give it a go? In my mind, I think you always start with Hattie the Empire. I think it is. I don't think how do I put this. I think it is a good book, but I think if you read it with the lens of canon and what we know of Star Wars, it's a little bit weird. But I am a firm believer that you always start at the beginning. Like with Star Wars, I think you always should start with A New Hope. And I think with Legends, you always start with Heavy Empire because, well, it might not quite fit with what Legends became and what that timeline became. It was the beginning. And I, I do think that that is how you are supposed to approach it. It's like an alternative universe from yeah, a fanfic exactly. perspective. Yep. Just think of it like that. And and actually, my, my friend uh, Jade Max actually says... Um, now all of her Legends books are expensive fan fiction. Expensive uh, fan fiction that, you know, the creators are welcome to steal anything from for future canon. So that's why they're slightly above, like, you know, what we write there out as fanfic fans. But Heir to the Empire, what is what is it about? Heir to the Empire takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. And at the beginning, there's this Grand Admiral who comes back from the outer reaches, outer universe, who takes charge of the Empire 
and give the New Republic a run for their money. He is trying to take back the Empire, and of course we're talking about Thrawn. It also introduced a Dark Jedi back before there was Sith, and he's working with Thrawn, and he wants to hunt down Luke and Leia, and Leia's children specifically, uh, John, Jason, and Jaina, and it, it's very interesting because it expands upon what we know of the original trilogy. It dives into what the Clone Wars originally was. It introduces Mara Jade. It colors in. It just it grows the universe in a way that wasn't present before then. And basically, it's the introduction of Thrawn. So yeah, and I also think that it gave an understanding that just because. You blew up the Death Star, killed the Emperor and his, you know, and and Lord Vader sacrificed himself, etc. It doesn't mean that all your problems are fixed, right? There's still something to tell there. Just because you cut the head off a fascist system doesn't mean that system automatically goes away. You always have people. And that's basically the story of the post-Return of the Jedi Legends universe for another 20, 20, 25 years is... Yes, the yes the emperor emperor was eliminated. Yes, Vader was eliminated. But you had a system that was in place in the legend continuity for decades, decades, longer than the canon one. So of course you are going to have this system be resilient, and you are going to have these people arise. It's not something that just disappears overnight. Exactly. Yeah, and you know many people loved the original Thrawn so much, right? They loved how strategic he was and how he was able to determine, you know, hey, what the rebels were going to be and and um, or do. Um, and certainly he was a solid villain in that trilogy. He was not only great, but he was a villain like we never saw before. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars, at that point in time, a lot of the villains that we saw were Force users, obviously. Vader, or bounty Vader. hunters, like from exactly. a, from a but, fat perspective. But with Thrawn, you had somebody that was cerebral. Like, there was a moment, and it's in Hair to the Empire, that really, I got chills over it because he is watching a hologram of two spaceships parked next to each other. The Alliance, they're trying to split up but they don't want to say who's going where. And he's sitting there. He's like, okay, it's taking this long. These are the people who are there. And through brilliant deduction, he knows exactly who is on what ship. And at that moment, it's like, well, it it was really creepy and scary and be like, okay, this is a guy that is going to propose a threat like we have never seen before in that timeline, at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I and I think that there's something valuable in that villains don't necessarily need to, you know, have giant weapons, don't necessarily need to be, you know, super, super good at <laughs> uh, lightsaber uh, combat, right? They can be cerebral and they can, you know, be strategic. And that was kind of the first introduction of that to the Star Wars universe. And that's I think that's just awesome. 
it is absolutely amazing what the Thrawn trilogy gave us in the Legends universe because not only did we get Thrawn, but we got Talon Cod, we got Maud Jade, we mm-hmm. we got a Dark Jedi whose name I can't even pronounce and I'm not going to try. So a lot of the cornerstones of what Legends were built upon were in Half the Empire. Like I said, mentioned before, Jason and Jaina Solo were mm-hmm. born in that book or the series of books. Well, and like, so Jason and Jaina Solo were twins born from... Han and and Leia. At some point in Legends, Jason, who is now his name has been taken over by uh, Harrison Dula's and um, <laughs> Kanan's son. <laughs> but uh, at the time, Jason actually ends up falling to the dark side. Exactly. Yeah. Dark, dark callous. And he ends up being saved, I believe, by his sister. I'm not that far along, but I thought it was, I remember listening to a podcast and I'm always like nervous because I want to learn more about the universe as I am reading it. That's why I'm following like after Alderaan, the podcast. Mm, A little pitch to adolescents after Alderaan. We love those ladies. (laughs) They are two women who read legends as teenagers and are basically rereading Uh, through legends much like yourself and then doing a podcast on it and their insights and their conversations about it are just awesome they definitely enhance my experience and i can't wait to finish a book because i usually listen to that corresponding podcast right afterwards that's great it's a good it's a good resource to like relook at everything i admit i've read uh the throne trilogy and you know a little bit of the Jedi Academy um you know series but I I have not dug deeply into legends and I and I do feel like it is in some ways a weird disadvantage as I try to analyze future storytelling because I feel like it's like a treasure trove of stories that I haven't I have a blind spot to in some ways you know yes. There's definitely a lot there to consume. I know that one of the reasons why I never dived into it because I was so intimidated. But what I really like about the Legends universe is it is so diverse. Like right now, I'm only fixed on the pre-prequel trilogy era. Mm-hmm. But after that, it splits off. You have Knights of the Old Republic. You have New Jedi Order. You have the prequel trilogy era. You have Legacies of the Force. You have Jedi. You have... Mandalorians, you have bounty hunters, you have all these different aspects of Star Wars. And I think that's why people are so passionate about Legends because not everybody loves everything. I mean, even with what we're experiencing now, that you're not going to like everything. But with Legends, it was so diverse. And no matter what you like, there was a story for you. And that is what I like about the Legends universe is because it seems like no matter what you are into, there was something for you. So what are you going to take on next? What's next on the docket to read, to dig into? Believe it or not, I do have books in order that I'm going to read them. Uh, so <laughs> next for me is I'm going to finish the Young Jedi Knight series. I have three books left in that. And then I'm going to read Courtship of Princess Leia, which I'm really looking forward to because I'm a huge Night Sister fan, not only in canon, 
but legends. And that's what I'm really loving about this experience is you are getting to see things in canon from a different perspective, like the Twilight Planet and legends. Mm-hmm. It is the strip of land between hot and cold. It's not this rocky planet. And, um, in Legends, the Night Sisters are still around and they are a little bit different than canon. And I really like it because it is different, you know, not things don't have to be the same. Yeah. And I, I love the transformational nature of what we're experiencing now, which is that we still have, you know, stories that we can pull from that were worked. And I, and I almost view it like Legends was this um, intense, uh, you know, iterative crucible by which they got to try a whole bunch of stuff and some stuff didn't work. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why uh, the canon, the canon refresh, right, to kind of refresh and, and decide more specifically what should be in the story. I can think of just killing Chewie is probably the thing that was one of the things that they needed to to revamp, right? I can understand why they did it. But I also understand that the storytelling that happened is still valuable. It, it is valuable. And we, as Star Wars fans, we put so much importance on canon status. But there is so much more to Star Wars than just canon status. And that's what I really appreciate about these stories is when I read a story, canon to me helps put that story into context. But it doesn't make that story good or bad. A story is independent of its canon status, and I think that is something too important while reading these books, because if you can't get past that, you aren't going to appreciate the art form. In some ways, telling much like a myth um, or a legend in uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker, these stories can still have value uh, through the specific lens, because many of these storytellers still plugged into the themes that were incredibly important and still are incredibly important to Star Wars, family, belonging, um, you know, redemption, hope. These themes are universal because they are the stories about us. They are. And that is what's important to remember is that is what Star Wars is about. And it doesn't matter if it's Legends or it's canon, it's still Star Wars and it's still relevant. And there's still a lot that we can learn from it. So in summation, Amanda, wh- why? Why why do this? How is it? What is your summary, your thesis statement in a way? About my experience in Legends or just Legends in general? That you've, you've started on this interesting journey. And I think that you were surprised that you found it so valuable. It is something, it's kind of like a mixed bag for me because like I mentioned before, I didn't read legends I've, I've read a couple of things here and there but i didn't read a lot of it but consuming it now i am approaching it through a different lens that a lot of people don't because they read it before or they aren't invested into it so i have more perspective but i guess what i'm most surprised about is i kind of feel regret that i didn't read it when i was younger because reading the throne trilogy i knew about Mara Jade. i know her story Mm-hmm. I know Thrones and I wish I would have read that and experienced it as it was. So I had that attachment, but I also appreciate that I'm reading it now through a different lens. Like I caught up on canon, then I read Legend. So I'm looking at it through a unique perspective. And I think that 
is a unique experience upon itself. I can definitely see how and why people attach these characters, this universe. And I imagine that when I get further and further into it, I can relate to it. But I also think I have perspective on it that is unique. And that makes my fandom, especially when it comes to Legends, so unique. And I, I'm a rebel and I like to be unique. And <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal because, yes, I don't have that attachment from my youth. But I am attached to the universe in a different way. And I see why people are attached to it. And I can see why people love this universe and are, are so attached to it mm-hmm. without having that attachment or without having that history. Yeah. And I think that just understanding other people's perspectives through the lens by which they view their stories and the stories that got them into Star Wars can only help us tell um stories that are meaningful for more people. And I would like to build upon what you said earlier. You mentioned about how it was like the teenage years. And I can definitely think that adolescent development, human development, you can definitely relate to Star Wars. Like the pre Hair to the Empire EU was very childish. It was very, you know, no continuity, no, it's, it's like a young child. And then you have the EU, the Legends universe is like uh, the teenage years, the adolescence, a lot of experimentation, a lot of Star Wars defining itself. It, it grew, it built it, upon itself. It made some mistakes. It did some good stuff. <laughs> it did some bad stuff. It did yeah. a lot of incredible stuff, but it, <laughs> it built Star Wars into the adult that it is now. And yeah. adults, a lot of people think canon is boring, but you know what? Some some adults are boring too. You know. I think I, I don't. I don't think that the current canon is boring. I think that it's going in in unique and interesting directions. I think we've had more, say, female perspective storytelling um, than ever before, and I and I love that. But I do think that there is a lot to be said about the the stories that we told ourselves when we were younger or when when the fandom was younger in some ways and to be able to look at those through that lens helps us understand where we are today i agree 100 percent. i i prefer canon a little bit because i appreciate how more character focuses i appreciate getting these stories that like zoom in on leia and give us perspectives and great stories from a point of view that we didn't have before and we wouldn't have that without where we came from. If we didn't have where we came from in Star Wars to look back upon, we wouldn't be able to appreciate what we do have. And while some people might think it's boring, I think it is deeper. It's a lot richer than what it used to be. And the approach is a lot more unifying, kind of like adulthood. People think adults are boring. If you're a child or a teenager, you look at adults. They're boring, but they have layers upon layers upon layers, and they can still be fun. I mean, I know a lot of adults who act like children in in their spare time, but it's a lot deeper. And I think Star Wars has matured, and I think Star Wars will explode like it did in the Legends universe uh, once we get past Episode Nine. But but right now, you know, the adult is the Star Wars is kind of like in its early thirties, if you will. It's building it up, you know. but once it gets older, I, I think you're going to have that. And I think that's important to know that where we are in Star Wars and where we're going is so built upon where we came from. I'm excited to see, especially because it almost feels like we're going into 
a new age as soon as episode nine is done. Where are we going to go? What is going to happen? We don't even know yet, you know, and I'm excited to share this journey with the people that I know in the Star Wars fandom, as well as all of the listeners and and you, Jedi Geek Girl. I am looking forward to that ride as well, because what a time to be a Star Wars fan. If you don't like something, there's something out there for you. It it doesn't matter. And I, I am looking forward to the Ryan Johnson trilogy because I think that's going to be a catalyst. I think that's going to be the Knights of the Old Republic, if you will, yeah. uh, of that timeline. I think it's going to really open up the door. I, I actually really hope that it's uh, it's said in the Old Republic and that they do something. Like I'm kind of hoping they will go the opposite direction. I'm like future? Will... No, 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 no. Uh, other dimension. I, I'm not the other dimension, but not time, but space. I, I'm hoping they go into the outer rim because we didn't get oh, that. Oh, yeah. They could. They could go out there. That would be cool. I. I. I don't. You know. <sighs> I'm not. I'm not set on anything. I'm just gonna let it. I'm just gonna let it come to me because I feel like whatever the storytellers want to tell, if they are inspired to tell it. I will find meaning in it. I'm thinking because we have gone back in time. We have gone forward in time, but we haven't gone the other way in space and time. I think there are some stories in the unknown regions and legends, but I think that is a rich tapestry for them to tap into. So I'm, mm. that, that's why I'm kind of hoping they go that direction. Yeah. And the wild, wild space is such a cool, um, almost like... Mm, uh, wild space is it's hard to navigate and it's um it's almost like the wild west from a frontier perspective in some ways so you could like i think that might be what they're laying the groundwork with the mandalorian with its stylistic look um to be very um almost like western inspired and that's what they're building like with the Thrawn novels and the aftermath trilogy they touch upon that so yeah i think there's something there and i don't think it's coincidence you're i think you're right because i storytelling is it leads two to three years before we actually see it <laughs> in the new canon yeah so you know <laughs> these things don't just happen overnight exactly well, thank you, Jedi Geek Girl, for coming on the show. Do you want to let people know where they can find you, what you're all about, what's going on, where they can hear your voice more, for example? <laughs> sure. People can find me on Twitter at Jedi Geek Girl. They can find my podcast anywhere where I Rebel, A Star Wars Destiny can be found. You can send us an email at irebeldestiny at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching facebook.com slash Destiny. Basically everywhere, Destiny, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email. I recommend if you want to check out our podcast, we are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. Tune in. And I don't know if we're on Spotify. But yeah, just if you want to contact me personally, just at Jedi Geeky on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I look forward to speaking to you pretty much almost daily <laughs> about, about all the new things that Star Wars is creating.
That was a really fun episode with Jedi Geek Girl. Um, thanks for sticking around to hear more thoughts. I actually have a couple of things to talk with you about, especially to do with uh, upcoming celebration and what I plan on doing, as well as I wanted to talk to you about this really cool thing called Fangirls that I have written and directed and is coming out in just a few days from now to our Patreon, as well as to the general audiences in just over a week. I wrote an audio drama. I uh, <laughs> I kind of saw it through this interesting lens, and I would say that it's more on the dramedy side because it's got a fair amount of comedy in it. But when I came into this fandom more officially, I started in a podcast because I was always here. I was hanging around with the fanfic writers and, you know, people that I knew personally who really were into Star Wars. But when I entered kind of the more public sphere of Star Wars fandom, it really was an interesting experience. And I really wanted to try to capture what the fandom was right now, or at least how I view it. And in many ways, um, fangirls, the audio drama that I wrote is a, I don't know, <laughs> love letter to all the fangirls out there, as well as the fandom um, from my view. Fangirls is an original adventure that is very much inspired by not only kind of the past of the fandom, but also where I think we're going. It will be available in eight parts and released monthly starting on March 21st for our patrons and released a week later to general audiences on its own RSS feed. If you listen to the podcast on YouTube, it will show up on the regular channel. Additionally, there will be a post-discussion show that will come out a week later for each of those audiences called Fangirling, hosted by Natasha Fox. She will be deep diving into behind the scenes and discussions with cast and crew, really inspired by the whole topic of fangirls. I'm really, really excited to have you all hear it. And so without further ado, here's our teaser trailer. Every generation has a movie that creates a new type of fangirl. This group of ladies met online over their love of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Hello ladies. Hey Rish. Hi dear. Hi. Hey girls. They would give anything to see Star Wars Episode Nine before anyone else, together. December. Oh, it feels so far away. Recently I had a terrible dream that I fell into a coma and I woke up after the premiere of episode 9. I would give anything to see episode 9 right now, just to know how it resolves, know what happens, then I can die happy. Right? That would be amazing. <sighs> Where is my time machine? What would you do if you knew you could see episode 9 tomorrow? We should do this. We should go see this movie! What? Drive across the country? Well, I have nothing to lose. When else will we have this opportunity to experience this? One thing is certain, these fangirls love Star Wars. 
Fangirls is an original fangirling adventure set as an audio drama in eight parts, starting March 28th and released monthly afterwards. Fangirls will also be available to the Patreon a week early at Patreon slash WhatTheForce. Fangirls is written and directed by Marie-Claire Gould, produced by Kyle Gould, with original music by Christy Carew-Marshall and audio design by Christina Menente. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I I can't wait for you all to hear it. So uh, check it out when it comes out. So you can, I'll, I'll post more about this. The feed will be in the link liner notes uh, for this show. So you can check it out or track it down on any of your podcast apps. It should be available. I've submitted them, submitted it all over the place. Uh, so also upcoming for celebration, I have media credentials. <laughs> I applied. They think that I'm media enough. I'm hoping to get some really cool interviews with some authors, uh, some personalities, as well as just general fans coming to celebration as an opportunity to dig into almost the fandom of going to celebration, like a what the fandom of celebration. Along my side will be Ty Black, so you'll probably be hearing about her. You'll probably be hearing from her quite a bit, as well as I know James Dalton will be at Celebration, but he's going to be primarily hanging out with the 501st. Anytime that I can get an interview or a little snippet, I'm going to try to pull it together and then I'll try to build a really cool Celebration post show for the week after. So... I hope to be tweeting a lot about stuff going on. Um, if I can post while I'm there, I will definitely post a bonus episode or two, but it kind of depends on timing. So that's what's upcoming in April. I'm really, 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 really excited uh, for it to experience it for the first time I've never been before, plus also having media credentials so I can hopefully get some cool sound bites for your ears. I wanted to say I've received some really amazing feedback um, over YouTube, oddly, in the comments section. You know, I just want to call out a few of the people that have uh, said some really amazing things to me. Of course, you can always email me if you want to have me read listener feedback on the show, and I'll group it together and do a end episode uh, read of listener feedback just like this. But I want to call out kind of two people, especially that have been <laughs> leaving me amazing feedback. Uh, Donnie Jeep, who has commented on almost every single one of my episodes on YouTube and, you know, asking me questions or following up just, you know, with what they really liked. Uh, I believe that he's actually going to be trying Disney bounding now. So good on you. Uh, I know that you'll make uh, both me and Shannon, very proud. So good job. As well as uh, How Rude. Um, how Rude has just been very positive with uh, very all the feedback. So I really do appreciate it. I generally get really good feedback on the episodes. And, you know, of course, a shout out to uh, the Cantina, Star Wars Cantina on Reddit, as well as the Galactic Vampire on Facebook who have continuously inspired me to push the craft of podcasting. So thanks to those two communities, uh, you make Star Wars a better place for me. So thank you. And um, yeah, keep the listener feedback coming. And if you have questions for Christy Crew or any of my guests, 
um, you know, feel free to send them my way and I'll try to get a hold of them to be able to ask them those questions. I think that's all that's on my mind right now. I have a lot of trouble just kind of talking to myself, to my own microphone. So I think that's all you're going to get from me today, but I hope you really enjoyed the teaser. Again, Fangirls is coming out March 21st for the Patreon and uh, March 28th for everybody else and will be released monthly after that. Fangirling will also be available on the same feed afterwards with behind the scenes details, discussions about fandom. I'm really looking forward to that show. I'm not on either of them (laughs) because I wrote and directed uh, Fangirls and uh, Fangirling is going to be hosted by somebody else, but I will be on one of the Fangirling shows probably near the end just to share my thoughts about the whole experience. And I'm really hoping that you come along for this crazy adventure as we lead up to episode nine. I think it'll be a fun way to enjoy the lead up. I think it'll be a really fun way to uh, share community about our, you know, desire to see the movie faster, as well as the community that we have built. So I look forward to hearing feedback from all of you. And um, I hope that you have Uh, a great time as we start to enter the crazy build-up and lead-up to. Take care, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to What the Force. I'm Marie-Claire Gould, your host. Our music is orchestral music composed by Christy Carew. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash whattheforce. We would like to thank all our patrons, especially those who love What the Force, In Wild Space, Night Huntress, and Susan. We are available wherever podcasts are found and YouTube. You can connect with us at Twitter at WT4Show or on Facebook at What the Force. Feel free to reach out to us and start a conversation. Cheers.